السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا قال رب شح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم زدنا علما All praise and thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Peace and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends And upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time but I had a powerpoint and even you That you must walk to the other side of the world and come back And there's no clicker and that So inshallah we won't be using it But as soon as the class is done I will send it to the group Whoever's in the group, they saw that I sent the recording of last week and the PowerPoint. Right, so inshallah, I'll do that immediately after the class, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. And last week, alhamdulillah, we did an introduction. So for those that weren't here, right, you didn't miss out on much, you can always refer back to the recording. And inshallah, today we're going to, right, like I mentioned last week, my task or my class has to do with the History of Makkah and Medina. And inshallah we will be starting off with Makkah. So the first thing we want to look at today is the definition of the city of the Haram. Right, so when I will be using the word Haram interchangeably which means and I will be referring to it as Makkah. I will be using the word Makkah. I will be using the word Baytullah. I will be using the word Bakka. Right? And all this refers to Makkatul Mukarrama. All this refers to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is Makkah. So the first thing is that Balad Haram. Right? And here obviously we are not talking about the word Haram, which is the opposite of Fard. Right, we are not talking about haram, something which is not permissible in Islam. We are talking about the haram. Right, so Balad haram is known as Makkatul Mukarrama. It is also known as haram al-Makki. So when you go, right, is there anyone that got accredited in this week or last night? <laughs> right, I think a list came out yesterday. The fourth list. It was till August, I think. And I think every week now there's... Or every second week there's going to be added. So, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, like we mentioned last week, that if your call is there, it will come. And it's not Sawuk, it's not the Saudi government, it's nobody that calls you, but it is a call from Allahu Azza wa Jal. So when you find someone speak about the haram, so they, someone walks in here and they say, you know what, the haram, or the haram is big. What are they referring to? Right? It is a consensus amongst the ulama that they are referring to Makkah. Right? I can't walk in here and I say the haram and I'm referring to Mount View Mosque or to Gatesville Mosque. No. When we speak about the haram, we are... Specifically referring to Makkah. It's the first thing. The next important point that we want to look at. That is the boundaries of the Haram. Right? This is important. We need to know. What is the boundaries? 
And we also need to know who set up the boundaries. So the first one to set up the boundaries was Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. Now Nabi Ibrahim is going to come up a lot during the classes. He's going to come up a lot during the Hajj like how Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will come up a lot. Imam al-Nawawi rahimallahu ta'ala Now Imam al-Nawawi he was a famous Shafi'i scholar. He's also known for writing or compiling the book known as the 40 Ahadith of Imam al-Nawawi. How many Hadith does the book have? 40. That's more than 40. <laughs> right? The reason why? Because the Arabs have this thing that they round it off. Aghlabiya. Something close. I think it has about 42 or 43 hadith in it. Imam al-Nawawi is also famously known for the 40 hadith that I mentioned. And he's famously known for his book, Riyadu Salihin. The book which is translated roughly into English, The Garden of the Righteous. And this book, subhanallah, you won't find a masjid in the world. You won't find a masjid in the world, but that they have one of these two books in it. After the Quran, this is one of the books that is the most read by the Muslim Ummah. Either the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawawi or the Riyadu Salihin of the same Imam. He is also famously known for what? Have you heard of Sahih Muslim? Right? We've all heard of Sahih Muslim. Now he is famously known to have a explanation of Sahih Muslim. Again, right? you don't find it in English unfortunately. But any scholar, any student of knowledge... If he calls himself a student of knowledge or he calls himself an alim, a scholar, it is that he needs to have the sharh, the explanation of Sahih Muslim written by Imam Nawawi in his library. So he mentions, he says, Al-Azraqi and others stated, with their asanid, with their chains of narrations, that Nabi Ibrahim al-Khalil, may Allah be pleased with him, defined the boundaries and set up markers for it. He says, Jibreel alayhi salam. Everyone heard of Jibreel already? Alhamdulillah. He came and he showed him where to place it. So Ibrahim alayhi salam, he didn't wake up one day, ah, mashallah, tabarakallah, you know, I'm going to put the marker here, I'm going to put a marker there, I'm going to put a marker there and there. No. Jibreel came and Jibreel showed him where to place the boundaries. Then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then he was instructed to renew these boundaries. And they subsequently renewed, were renewed again by Umar ibn Khattab. Umar ibn Khattab was which Khalifa in Islam? What number? The second, alhamdulillah. The first was? Was who? Abu Bakr. The third was? Was Uthman. And the fourth was? Ali. Many of the ulama, 
They say that there was a fifth Khalifa as well. And that was Hassan ibn Ali. Radiyallahu anhuma. May Allah be pleased with both of them. The reason for this, there's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam that he says the Khilafah will be for a number of years. I just forgot the exact number of years. But when you add up the first four Khalifas, you need to add the time of Hassan as well. When you add the time of Hassan, then you will come to the exact number that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave. I will send this hadith inshallah in the group, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. And then he says that Umar came and then Uthman. And then Muawiyah radiallahu an and until the present day they have remained well known, visible and clear demarcations or boundaries that we see up until today. At the end of Kitabul Makkah, Imam Al-Azraqi he said, with regards to the boundary markers of the Haram that are at the top of Athaniyah, whatever is in front of them is within the Haram zone, and whatever is behind them is outside the Haram zone. Part of Al-Ashash is outside the Haram zone, and part of it is inside the Haram zone. This information that I shared with you now, is written by Imam Al-Nawawi, you will find it in his book, known as Al-Sharh Al-Muhadhab. Al-Sharh Al-Muhadhab is one of the most famous books in the Shafi'i Madhab. And I assume, right, because we're in Cape Town, everyone here follows the Shafi'i Madhab. Correct? No? Follow the? Hanafi. Alhamdulillah. Right? And then obviously we find also those people, right, that they do not confine themselves to a madhab. Right? That is present in the class as well, alhamdulillah. And there is nothing wrong with that as well. The next important point we want to know what are some of the names of Makkah? So they already I gave you one. Right? Give me another name of Makkah. Of what? Makkah. Right? Tayyib. Alhamdulillah. Sister is listening, mashallah. Another name. Of what? Haram. Another name. Right, so let's go from the start. Makkah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَهُوَ الَّذِي كَفَّ أَيْدِيَهُمْ عَنْكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ عَنْهُمْ بِبَطْنِ مَكَّةَ Allah says, and he, right, or oh, it is he who withheld their hands from you and your hands from them in the myths of Makkah. So that's the first one. That's where we get our proof from that. It's found in the Quran. The second name, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Bakka, as the sister mentioned, Inna awwala bayti wudi'a linnas lalladhi bibakkata mubarakan wahudan lil'alameen. That verily the first house of worship 
appointed for mankind was that at Bakka, also known as Makkah, for or full of blessings and a guidance for Al for Al Alamin, the mankind and jinkind. This is found in Surah Ali Imran, verse number ninety-six. The third name, Al Balad. Where does this come from? Allah says from from the Quran. What surah? Suratul Balad. Allah says, لا أقسم بهذا البلد That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He takes a qasab He takes an oath by the city Al-Balad which is known as Mecca. The fourth name Al-Qarya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا قَرْيَةً كَانَتْ آمِنَةً مُطْمَئِنَّةً Allah says and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He puts forward the example of a town of a township again referring to Mecca that dwelt secure and a well content place my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam here we see that Mecca is a place of security it is a place of safety and it is a place of mutma'inna for those that have been for Umrah right? I don't think anyone has been for Hajj for those that have been for Umrah how content don't you feel when you're in Mecca isn't the heart just relaxed? Like you don't have any worries. You don't... Someone phone, phones you, they SMS you, they WhatsApp you. You know something is wrong with the business at home. You're like, ah, you know what, let it go, man. Right? Because this is what these places do to the heart. Same thing with Medina. Right? And here you're going to find a difference of opinion in the class. Right? Those people that have been, they're going to tell you, no, we felt more content in Makkah. Then you're going to find those that tell you, no, Medina, we found more content in Medina. Whatever it might be. But bottom line is, you will find content whether you're in Mecca or whether you're in Medina. Right? This is a reality. The fifth name that we're going to look at is known as Ummul Qura, the mother of all towns. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَلِتُنْذِرَ Ummal Qura, so that you may warn the mother of towns, referring to Mecca. And for those again that have been into Mecca, you've been for Umrah, I'm assuming that you all went to Medina first and then you came to Mecca, correct or not? Yes? So when you drive into Mecca, Right, you pass the checkpoint, the main checkpoint known as Al-Jumum. Right, it's a huge checkpoint. So now once you pass that checkpoint, now you've entered into Makkah. And now you will drive and you will drive and you will see signposts. One of the signposts that you will see is Jamiatu Ummul Qura or the University of Ummul Qura. This is the famous university 
in Mecca. Like in Medina, you have Jamiatul Islamiyah. That Alhamdulillah, myself and the other two teachers, we had the privilege of studying there for a good number of years. Walillahi alhamd. And all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the famous university in Mecca is named after the city Ummul Qura. Right? The mother of all towns. And in Medina it's known as Jamiatul Islamiyah, which is known as the Islamic University of Medina. The next important point, the superiority of Mecca. There are many ahadith, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that or which describes the virtues of Mecca. And we're not going to go into many of these ahadith. But the hadith I would like to share with you today. An Abdullah ibn Adi ibn Hamra al-Zuhri Qala Ra'aytu Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam waqifan ala hazwaratin faqal Wallahi innaki La khayru ardillahi wa ahabbu ardillahi ilallah wa lawla anni ukhrijtu minki ma kharajtu This hadith is found in the jami' of Imam At-Tirmidhi Narrated by Abdullah ibn Adi ibn Hamra al-Zuhri He said that I saw the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam standing at Al-Hazwara. So Al-Hazwara is a certain place. And the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, and he took an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, Wallahi, he said, by Allah, you are the best of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's earth. Remember this. And the most beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's earth to Allah. He says that you, O Mecca, right? This is referring to Mecca. That you are the best of Allah's earth. And the most beloved of Allah's earth to Allah is Mecca. And if, 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 and, and if, if, it was not for the reason that the, the Quraysh expelled me from you. Meaning they expelled me from Mecca. I would have not have left Mecca. So the Prophet ﷺ is making it quite clear. He gives us a few points. That first of all, the city of Mecca, the land of Mecca, this is the best place on the face of the earth. That's number one. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also declared that Mecca is the best place on the earth. Number three, had it not been for the Quraysh, for expelling me from Mecca, I would have never left Mecca. And we know, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because he was expelled from Mecca, he landed up where? He landed up in Medina. Had he not been expelled, 
Right? This is obviously the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But had the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam not been expelled from Makkah, he would have stayed in Makkah. And here we find a few narrations speaks about this. That a few of the stories or a few of these narrations, the wording differs a bit, but all of the meanings are the same. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he became extremely sad. He was extremely emotional. Now imagine, right? maybe some of the older people in the class, they can relate to this. Right? During the apartheid era, during the apartheid regime, for those people that lived in District 6, for those people that lived in Klema, this is where you were born. Now imagine your fathers, your parents, our parents, what went through them when they were forcibly removed from their homes. You felt sad. So this was the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the best of towns, the best of places on this earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused that he needed to leave. Through who? Through the Quraysh. It is obvious that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he felt sad. It is obvious that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he felt emotional. But yet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he accepted the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he left. And with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the hijrah, who left with him? Abu Bakr radiyallahu And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions this as well in the Quran. When they reached a certain cave. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he speaks about Abu Bakr radiyallahu and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is only one sahabi that's name is mentioned explicitly in the Quran. Does anyone know who's this companion? Zayd, right? Mentioned in Suratul Ahzab, right? And the reason for this, there was a particular reason that Muhammad sallallahu oh Allah wanted to teach Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this ummah that if you adopt a child, the child cannot carry your surname in Islam. You will look after the child, yes. But at a certain age, once the child becomes mukallaf, when the child, he understands, you need to explain to this child that you are not my biological son. He will not carry your surname. He will not be able or she will not be able to inherit from you like how your own biological children will inherit from you. Yes, you want to give them wasiya up to one third, that is fine. And even if that child, right, they were not breastfed, etc. from you. You just adopted them, you looked after them. It came that they were married to someone and they were divorced. And you want to marry that person now that they were married to? You are allowed to do that. And this is the reason why Allah mentions Zaid in the Quran because this is exactly what happened. The next hadith I want to look at عن جابر رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال 
Mention Jabir. I'm sure Sheikh Imran mentioned Jabir today as well. Jabir plays a big role in Hajj. I know I mentioned this. I said that if you want to know the Hajj of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then you will read the hadith of Jabir radiallahu an. Because Jabir radiallahu an, he narrates from when they left Medina right until the end of the Hajj of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is a very long hadith. And if you open basically just a book, maybe smaller, the size smaller than an A4. Right, so you have an A4 page in front of you. Just the book, just smaller than that. Right, so in a book like this of hadith, the hadith of Jabir will cover about three pages. Right, this is the whole Hajj of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Jabir radiallahu anhu, he says that one that the Prophet peace be upon him, he said that one prayer in my mosque. This is referring to which masjid? Masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Masjidun Nabawi. Right? This is referring to Masjid Nabawi. That one prayer in Masjid Nabawi is better than a thousand prayers elsewhere. Except for Masjid Al-Haram. Except for Makkah. For the Masjid Al-Haram. And one prayer in the sacred mosque is better than one hundred thousand prayers elsewhere. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. One prayer in Masjid Al-Haram. One prayer. I was, I'm not very good in maths. But I tried. Is equal to 55 years, 6 months and 20 days of Salah. One prayer. Subhanallah. It's a lot. Eh? Now the next question. Is this only for Fard Salah or for Sunnah as well? Anyone? For both. For all salahs. Who agrees with him? Can put up your hands who agrees. Okay. Who disagrees? Right? So everyone agrees. Alhamdulillah, that is correct. Right? Because the hadith, it just says salah. And that is general. The hadith doesn't specify a fard salah. So even janazah salah, right? For those that have been, you will know. You're going to make a lot of janazah salahs in Makkah and Medina. Right? You're going to make a lot. Nearly every salah, there's going to be, you're going to hear there's a janazah. And also you're going to hear a lot of the time, there's a lot of children, a lot of babies that passes away. So people, they generally ask, why so many babies that pass away? Is it because the doctors are not good enough? What's the reason? 
Right? Allah alam. We don't know. But one of the reasons can be is because the surrounding areas around Medina and Makkah, they don't make janaza salahs in any other masjid. So for example, even in Jeddah, they're going to come to where? They're going to come to Makkah. Right? Places maybe that's 50, 60 kilometers outside of Medina as well. They're going to come to perform the janaza salah in Medina. Because you are our way, why not drive? So you can be buried in Baqi, which is in Medina. Or you can be buried in Mala, which is in Makkah. So my beloved brothers and sisters, a side point. Try to make all your awqat, all your salawat in the haram. Whether you're in Makkah or whether you're in Medina. Obviously if it's full, you still get this reward because you've tried to go in and you couldn't get in. Understand? So you try to get in, so you can't get in, you're still in the precincts of the haram. You will still get this reward. But obviously if it's not full, and now you decide, oh, no, I'm just going to stand in my hotel, right? For those that have been, you know where the zamzam is. So it's fine, we can see the people making salah, so we're going to stand in the foyer and we're going to make salah for one. Obviously, if you're old and it's an effort and you have a problem with your wudu, right? Which you will all discuss in the fiqh. And this is something different then. If you cannot make it into the haram, Allah bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, right? Rahmatullahi wasi'an. That the mercy of Allah is wide. You made the effort, you tried. You couldn't get in. Allah, inshallah, bi'ithnillahi is still going to give you this reward. But you can't want to sit in the hotel, relax. Right? After the adhan, now you want to make wudu. Then you want to hold down. It's obviously not going to get into the haram. Right? So try to make your salah. Another important point that I made. And I jotted down. The committing of sin in Makkah. Right? As we know, reward is multiplied. But what about sin? And the first point that I've made is that we need to avoid all sins as possible. Minor and major. Bad deeds are multiplied in Makkah. This is according to majority of the ulama. Imam Ahmad, Ibn Hanbal, he was asked, is more than one sayyi'ah, meaning is more than one bad deed recorded for a bad deed and he said no except in Makkah because this is the sanctity of the land so here when Audubil someone he committed a sin he only gets punished once for that sin right so for example someone stole he gets punished for stealing but had he stolen in Makkah it would have multiplied in wrong because of the sanctity of Makkah. When we deal with Medina, there is a hadith specifically, or specific for Medina, which we will cover there as well with regards to sin. The next point. Is living in the city of Medina better? Or is living in the city of Makkah better? Right, this is a question that comes up. Is the city of Medina better than the city of Makkah? 
let's have a discussion. Right? Whoever says that to live in Medina is better, raise your hands. Okay, we have one. We have two. I'm going to ask you for your reason now. Right? Whoever says to live in Makkah is better, raise your hands. Right? Okay, majority. Why do you say Medina? I'm not knowledgeable, but somewhere no. I think I may have heard Tayyip. Prophet said he will intercede for people in Medina. Something Tayyip. like that. So, uh, okay. Someone at the back also? Yes. Preference. So let me take you back to the hadith. Right? Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke how he was driven out of Makkah. What does he say in that hadith? He said that this is the best. Right? But before the end, right? Before he came to that, he said that this was the best place on the earth. So that's the first proof for those that say that Makkah is the best. It's the most blessed to be in. And this is majority of the ulama. There is a group of scholars that have indicated that Medina is better. So we came to the conclusion that Makkah is the best spot on the earth. In and itself, Makkah is better than Medina. Makkah is distinct from Medina and other cities for a number of virtues. The second virtue that, or the second hadith that I want to bring is the second hadith that I quoted about the salah. Where do you get more reward for? In Makkah. So this is proof again. Makkah is also a unique place because we can perform hajj and umrah. We can circumambulate the Kaaba. We can touch the black stone. We can pass the Yemeni corner known as Arukan al-Yamani. And we can do Sa'i Baina, Safa and Marwa. As Allah says, Inna Safa wal Marwa min sha'airillah. That the walking between Safa and Marwa it is a sign. It is from the Sha'air of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can we do this in Medina? Any of these things that I quoted? No. Can we do it anywhere else in the world? No. So Makkah has this benefits as well. Shaykh Muhammad Salih ibn Uthaymin rahimallahu ta'ala, he says, Medina is a sanctuary and it enjoys its sanctity. There is no doubt about this. But its sanctity is much less than that of Makkah. No Muslim can come to the sanctuary of Makkah from outside the haram boundary unless he is in a state of ihram. And I heard you discuss this earlier on. You cannot come into Makkah to perform an umrah or hajj but that you needed to pass a miqat, but that you needed to have done your ihram. He says, and this you cannot do when you go to Medina. You, okay, fine, I want to wear two pieces of cloth in Medina. What am I going to do? Can't do anything. In the sanctuary of Makkah, the grass and the trees 
meaning all the plants are protected whereas in the sanctuary of Medina a concession is granted regarding some of its trees to be cut for the purpose of agriculture and the likes. Understand what the Sheikh is saying? Also, you cannot hunt in Makkah. So this is what the Sheikh says and again, majority of the ulama, classical and modern ulama, have agreed that Makkah is or has a greater status, greater in virtue than Medina. Another virtue for both Makkah and Medina is a hadith that is found in Bukhari and Muslim, narrated by Anas ibn Malik. He said that the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, there is no land that the Dajjal, the Antichrist, will not enter except for Makkah and Medina. He will not come to any of the entrances, but there will be angels standing in rows, guarding them. Then Medina and its people will be shaken by three earthquakes, and Allah will expel every disbeliever and hypocrite from it. So again, a virtue that Dajjal won't be able to enter these two cities. There are one or two other cities as well, which is mentioned in other ahadith. One of them is a certain city in Damascus. Another one of them is Baytul Maqdis. And Allah knows best. The next important point we want to look at, and that is the Kaaba. And Alhamdulillah, every one of us sitting here, we've either seen the Kaaba physically, or we've seen it on a picture, we've seen it on the TV, etc., wherever. The Kaaba, which is the direction of prayer for all the Muslims throughout the world. Right? You cannot make salah. One of the prerequisites, the conditions, the shurut of salah is that you need to face Qibla. And the Qibla of the Muslims is the Kaaba. It is situated roughly in the middle of Al-Masjid Al-Haram. It is a 15 meter high stone structure, more or less in the shape of a cube. It was built by who? Ibrahim alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَإِذْ بَوَّأْنَا لِإِبْرَاهِيمَ مَكَانَ الْبَيْتِ أَلَّا تُشْرِكْ بِشَيْئًا وَطَهِّرْ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْقَائِمِينَ وَالْرُكَّعِ السُّجُودِ And remember when we showed Ibrahim the site of the sacred house, the Kaaba at Makkah, and we said, associate not anything in worship with me. Allah is telling you, do not ascribe any partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this is your pinnacle of hajj. You're going to hear this coming from me a lot. You're going to hear this coming in the class after this a lot. Right? Maybe not so much in the fiqh. But, you, this is what your hajj is all about. Right? لا تشرك بشيئة 
do not ascribe partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالطَّهِّرْ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ And purify and sanctify my house for those who are going to make tawaf in it, that are going to circumambulate it. And for those that who are going to bow, they are going to make ruku, and they are going to make sujood in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is found in Surah Al-Hajj, verse number 26. The word bawwa'na is translated here as we showed him, meaning we guided him, Nabi Ibrahim, and we gave him permission to build it. This is found in the tafsir of Ibn Kathir. The next verse I want to look at. وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ وَإِسْمَعِيلِ رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ And remember when Nabi Ibrahim and his son Ismail were raising the foundations of the house, meaning the Kaaba at Makkah. So they built the Kaaba. A side note. Right? What better relationship to have between a father and a son to do the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Imagine that. A father and son building the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This verse is found in Surah Baqarah, verse number 127. Wah ibn Munabbih. He said that the Kaaba was built by Nabi Ibrahim. Then it was built by the Amalekites. Then it was built by Jurham. Then it was built by Qusay ibn Kilab. Then it was rebuilt by the Quraysh and this is well known. Then or they began to rebuild it were the stones of the valley which the Quraysh carried on their shoulders. And they built it up to 20 cubits high. Between the rebuilding of the Kaaba and the beginning of the revelation, there were five years. And between the rebuilding and the Hijrah, there were 15 years. Abdul Razak or Abdul Razak al-Sana'ani in his famous hadith book known as the Musannaf of Ibn Abdul Razak from Muammar from Abdullah Ibn Uthman from Abu Tufail from Muammar from Az-Zuhri he said they were building it and when they reached Ar-Rukan the Quraysh argued about which tribe should lift it up. Then they said, let us ask the first person who comes from the direction to judge. And who was the first person that came in? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the first famous hadith. And they all agreed. And then the first person to walk in was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He came to them and he was a young man wearing a spotted sash. They asked him to judge between them and he told them to place the rukan on what? On a piece of cloth. 
He then told each chief of every tribe to hold the edge of the cloth. Then he climbed up and they lifted a rukun up to him. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with his blessed hands, he placed it into its place. Subhanallah. See the wisdom and the hikmah that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he inspired Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he did not speak out of his own accord. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions in Surah Al-Najm, وَمَا يَنْتِكُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَى That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we inspired him to speak, and he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he spoke. Before Islam, in the year in which Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was born, the Kaaba was subjected to an attack by the Ethiopian known as Abraha, who had built Al-Kulais, a church to which he wanted the Arabs to make their pilgrimage to this church in Ethiopia. He set out with his army, with whom was an elephant. And when they reached Mecca, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent flocks of bird against them. Each bird was carrying three stones like chickpeas or the size of a lentil, very small. One in its beak and one in each of its claws. Every man who was struck by a stone was killed. So the army was destroyed by the command of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions this. And he says, أَلَمْ تَرَ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ Have you not seen how your Lord dealt with the owners of the elephant? Did he not make the plot go astray? أَلَمْ تَرَ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ أَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ كَيْدَهُمْ فِي تَوْدْلِيلِ وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا and he sent against them birds in flocks. وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلٍ تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِنْ سِجِّيلٍ Striking them with stones of سِجِّيل فَجَعَلَهُمْ كَعَصْفٍ مَأْكُولٍ And he made them like an empty field of slacks in which the corn has been eaten up by the cattle. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described. It is also narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's grandfather was asked, are you not going to defend the Kaaba? In which he said, why should I defend something that the Lord of the Kaaba will defend? And we see that Allah defended it. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there was no fence or wall around the Kaaba until it became necessary. Yaqut al-Hamawi, he said in his book, the first one to build a wall around the Kaaba was Umar ibn Khattab. There was no wall around it during the time of the Prophet or in the time of Abu Bakr. The wall was built because people were building their houses too close to the Kaaba and making the space around it very small for people to tawaf, to circumambulate. Umar said, the Kaaba is the house of Allah and 
a house needs a courtyard. You have encroached on its space. It has not encroached on yours. So he bought those houses, then he demolished them, and added that space to the same space around the Kaaba. He also destroyed the houses of the people in the vicinity of the Kaaba who had refused to sell and kept the money aside for them until they came and, let, and later took it from him. He built a wall around the mosque lower than the height of a man with lamps that were placed on it. When Uthman was Khalifa, he bought more houses and they were more expensive. It was said that Uthman was the first to build a higher wall around it. When Ibn Az-Zubayr, right, this was the son of Zubayr, Ibn Awam was in power. He improved its appearance, although he did not increase it in size, by adding marble pillars, extra doors and other improvements. When Abdul Malik Ibn Marwan, who was a Khalifa as well, he added to the wall of the mosque, and brought columns from Egypt by sea to Jidda, which were carried from Jidda to Mecca on wheels. Al-Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, he commanded that the Kaaba be covered in drapes known as Al-Kiswa. And when Al-Walid ibn Abdul Malik, when he was the Khalifa, he added to the adornment of the Kiswa and spent money on the improvements of the drainage, spout and the roof, of the Kaaba. When Al-Mansur and his son Al-Mahdi were Khalifas, they added more adornments to the mosque and its improved appearance. And inshallah next week we will look at some of the improvements or the expansion of the Kaaba until we see it today. Another important point that we would like to look at is that the Kaaba, it will be destroyed. Imam al-Bukhari in his sahih, he brings a hadith on the authority of Abu Huraira radiyallahu an, where he said that the messenger, peace be upon him, he said, the Kaaba will be destroyed by Dhul Suwaiqatayn from Ethiopia. And this brings us to the end of today's class, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Next week, inshallah, we will carry on. And also in this classes under the history of Makkah, we will look at, for example, the history of Arafah. We will look at the history of the Safa and Marwa. We will look at the history of the Zamzam. Because these are all important facts and sometimes, I don't know why it's like this, but generally when people go for Umrah or Hajj, the ziyaras in Medina are much more structured and they are better explained. In Makkah, it's like almost people, they have a choice, you want to go on Ziyara, you don't want to go on Ziyara, it's fine. But Medina, they tend to emphasize going out on Ziyara more. Why? I don't know. One of the reasons that I can think of is because people are too busy with Tawaf, right? In Makkah, they are too busy in and out of the Haram and that, and this is maybe one of the reasons, Allah alam, why the agents don't focus on ziyarat so much as they do in Medina. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. If there is any questions,